When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Necessary Roughness. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. All right, welcome back to another episode of Necessary Roughness. T.J. here. I'm solo. John's still out in California, I'm sure, celebrating that amazing Michigan win. Congratulations to them on the Rose Bowl heading to the national championship game. Anyways been a couple days happy new year everybody happy holidays hope everybody had a great weekend and we're going to talk about saturday we have to we're going to start off right with the everybody's talking about it all right the debacle at the end of the game with the two-point conversion i'm pretty sure everybody's probably heard many different talks many different points the nfl i think has kind of come out in a roundabout way to say oh the lines just confused our ref it's your fault that you know brad allen can't get it right not ours um so no not going to feel any better about anything the nhl nfl might say uh about that whole operation this week i just want to take you through what a standard operation is i've been a guy that i've played tight end i whenever you're on the field goal team uh you report as eligible it's very common practice you go up to the referee you signal the front of your jersey you verbally tell him hey look 70 70 eligible taylor decker 68 hey i'm eligible i'm reporting very common standard practice uh shouldn't be that difficult now we'll probably see it again this week where you see dan skipper come into the game and he's going to report and you can hear the ref most of the time on the tv sometimes you can hear him uh, in the stadium say all right hey 70s eligible they step back behind the huddle they just kind of wave their shirt say extra offensive lineman just giving everybody a heads up that situation you know, it was kind of screwed from the beginning. Uh, Brad Allen saw Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell walking up to him. I think in the background he saw Dan Skipper coming into the game, um, and I think he just kind of reverted into default mode. He saw 70 coming in. I, I don't think he heard what Taylor Decker said right in front of his face for some reason. Um, and just and here's the thing too. Dan Skipper has been the Lions' offensive line, the eligible guy, the entire season. Some days it's you know 10, 12 plays a game. Sometimes it's only one, once or twice. Well, in this particular game, Dan Skipper had only reported eligible one time, and I think it was in the first quarter. So it's not like Brad Allen was used to saying, "Hey, 70's eligible, 70's eligible." I think he just reverted back into default mode. Saw 70 coming on the field, and obviously we we know the rest. Um, I do want to start with look. I, 
you coaches talk to referees before every game, right? And Dan Campbell said this earlier this week. He said, you know, we meet with the referee. You don't meet with the head referee. Uh, I think he, he clear, clarified that. But you meet with all the side judges, uh, the people who are going to be on your sideline, the ones that you communicate the most with. Uh, Dan Campbell's talking to the line judges, the side judge, whoever sent, tends to be on your sideline for that particular half. We're going to have the most conversation with them. So they went over the play before. They said, hey, listen, Probably if we get a two-point play at some point this game, this is what we're going to run. It is a little bit unusual. 70 is normally the guy, but this time it's going to be 68. Sometimes there's a chalkboard or a, a dry erase board in the meeting where they're at. The, the coaches will physically draw up the play for them um, so the referees can see and they can be prepared for when that time comes. Now, Brad Allen obviously did not know this. Uh, still not an excuse, though. You're the head referee. It's your job, especially at the biggest moment of the game, uh, winning play, right? Um, biggest point of the, of, of the season for the Detroit Lions, right? You get the win there. You, you, you're talking about two seed. You're talking about a whole lot of ramifications outside just getting one win. I'll get to that in a little bit. But Brad Allen, for some reason, decided to kind of rush through that whole process. I think he... He saw what what happened, what went on, and you can even tell. Video backs up what the Lions said. I mean, it backs up. It shows Taylor Decker walk over, get right in front of Brad Allen's face. Dan Skipper at this point was, you know, eight to ten yards behind Taylor Decker. You can't report for somebody else. Taylor Decker can't go up to Brad Allen and say, hey, 70's coming in, he's going to be eligible. You can't do that. That's illegal. You have to be physically the person in front of the referee that says, I am reporting as eligible. Uh, Brad Allen kind of he, he, he botched the whole situation. He rushed through it. Uh, you could see he's kind of nodding at somebody's direction, whether it was Decker, whether it was Skipper, uh, and he immediately started to jog over to the, the, the Dallas defense to give them a heads up. Now, Normally, like I said, the referee will just kind of stand behind the huddle and say, hey, this guy's eligible so everybody can hear it. That situation, I was there. I was on the sideline. Uh, it was incredibly loud. Um, you, I could not hear what Brad Allen said over the you know, PA system. I'm sure people in, on the TV or maybe in the radio could hear it because they have direct access to the referee's microphone. That's why he jogged over to the defense to tell them face-to-face Hey, this guy's eligible. Look, he botched the entire thing, right? Um, it's not the Lions' job to, uh, you know, try to not deceive anybody. They're, you're not trying to deceive the referee. You're trying to deceive the defense. And in that situation, what it really took away from was the brilliance and the genius of Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell. Uh, they score the touchdown. Uh, they keep the offense on the field, right? They send out a formation knowing that Dallas was probably going to take a timeout. At that point of the game, that is the biggest play of the game. It's probably going to decide who wins and loses. Dallas was going to take a timeout. They wanted to see the formation. They wanted to make adjustments, whatever it was. I think that Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell were anticipating that. They knew Dallas was going to burn a timeout so they could try to get the package that they really wanted, which was Skipper and Decker, the whole throw. They wanted to run that play. That was their number one play. Um, And obviously in the NFL today, look, you cannot take back-to-back timeouts. It's a new rule. Back in the day, if you had three timeouts, you could burn three back-to-back-to-back without ever seeing a snap. So the Lions knew that. The Lions knew that when they sent out Dan Skipper in the heavy package, uh, it was probably going to confuse Dallas a little bit because it was 
completely different than the first play they showed they were going to run. Um, that And they knew that Dallas couldn't take a timeout. At that point, you can't take a timeout and say, whoa, whoa, something's messed up here. we got to talk about it again. They knew that they were going to have to roll with that play, and the Lions knew that, hey, we're going to try to have some deception in this play and throw off just a couple guys on Dallas's defense. If they just peek over and see 70 coming in the game, they might be thinking run. They might be thinking Dan Skipper is the eligible receiver. Let's try to slip one past them. Let's try to – and this is deception. This is game planning. This is cre- creativity, which it, it, today's NFL – you have to do. It's a non-negotiable. Um, so that play being brought back was just it, – it minimalized the creativity that the Lions had in the biggest moment of the game. They did everything right. And that was so frustrating just outside of other ramifications and complications with the two seed. And, look, I, I even said earlier this week, I think, you know, Dan Campbell, if the Lions go into Dallas and win that game – uh, you're talking about a Dallas team that hasn't lost in that stadium since week one of last year, 15 straight wins going into that game. I think if the Lions go in there and win that game, you can have legitimate conversations about Dan Campbell maybe being a front runner for coach of the year. Uh, so that's a ramification that, look, I'm sure Dan Campbell doesn't really care about, um, but it, it, it has massive implications. Uh, now, Brad Allen messed the whole thing up from the beginning because even when he did go up to the defense, he said 70 is eligible. So I think what happened from my vantage point being on the field is Brad Allen messed it up right away. Um, They went, the Lions ran the play. It was a successful two-point conversion. Everybody celebrating. I went back and watched the video again. Almost 35 seconds goes by before the referees huddle up and decide to drop a flag. Now, we all we, it's no, no secret that in today's NFL, the referees have access to somebody upstairs. There's always referees or there's somebody up in the booth that can tell them, hey, you guys missed this, or hey, instead of doing a full review, uh, we see it pretty clear up here, just call it incomplete, just do that. They have access, they have direct communications uh, to help from upstairs. My theory was somebody from upstairs called down and said, hey, listen, Beginning of that play, you said 70 was eligible. Why did 68 touch the ball, right? And I think at that point, it was a lose-lose for Brad Allen. It was a lose-lose for the referees because if they decided to say, oh, we messed it up, we meant 68, now Dallas has a massive uh, claim, right? They say, hey, wait, 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 you told us number 70. This whole thing is messed up, right? So now you're in a position where if you give it to Detroit, Dallas is probably pissed off. If you give it, obviously, what happened, if you give Dallas the benefit, then Detroit's pissed off. So I think Brad Allen was clearly in a lose-lose situation after he botched it uh, from the start, which is unfortunate because both things can be true. Both things can be true that, look, the Lions definitely missed some opportunities, right? There was points in that game where uh, multiple plays where you look at and you say, man, if you could have just made one of those plays, right, probably a big difference in the game. Um, down on the goal line, right, you run out of shotgun from the two-yard line, you end up getting pushed back, you go for it, you don't succeed. Uh, points off the board, right? Later in the game, the third and one, kind of a long developing run, you get tackled for loss now probably taking points off the board. You're right at midfield. Um, You know, the 92-yard touchdown for Dallas. I mean, it was a great play call. It was a great design. They got exactly what they wanted, the Lions defense, by having a free runner at Dak Prescott, which probably would have turned into a safety um, that they just missed. Derek Barnes just missed, and it turned into a massive play. Those are plays you look back on and say, we we just could have got one of those. Uh, The game would have been different. Both things can be true, where the Lions clearly – 
missed some opportunities, but you also, uh, let's just face it, you know, got got jobbed over at the end by, you know, inept uh, officiating. Now I could say the question, you know, that, that we've been talking about this morning, all Monday, Tuesday, was should Dan Campbell have kicked the extra point after the first penalty, right? They, they back him up to the seven-yard line. I think an argument could be had to where you say, you know what, let's not compound the mistakes. Let's not use our emotions here. Let's go kick the extra point. We can still be pissed off about what happened, but uh, let's try to, you know, extend this game and maybe give ourselves a chance to win in overtime. Now, I don't have a problem with that argument. I also, the former player in me, doesn't have a problem with Dan Campbell saying, you know what, guys, screw it anyways, let's go convert. Uh, We obviously know that play didn't really matter because – Micah Parsons was offside. You get the ball back at the three-and-a-half-yard line after the offsides. It's half distance to the goal, so it doesn't go back to the two, which is probably a dumb rule. But you know what? There's also part of that where it might be by design from Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell might have thought in his head, you know what? This is a massive play. Uh, I want to see how my guys respond under pressure, right? We just had something go completely against us, uh, out of our hands. You know, we got screwed over with a call. Um this is still a high-pressure situation. I want to see how my guys respond. And not saying you're necessarily playing with free money, but this team it now is less than two weeks away from having a playoff game where every little mistake is magnified. Every missed opportunity is magnified. And you, have, you, you might get into a playoff game where you need to convert a two-point conversion, where you need to convert uh, a two-minute drive. And maybe it was Dan Campbell's design to say in that moment – you know what? I want to see how my guys handle this pressure. Now, we obviously know that they had a, a, another chance from the four-yard line that was incomplete. Um, you know, whatever you want to call it. I think Dallas did a nice job of mixing up their coverage at the last minute, threw off the timing just a bit on the pass to James Mitchell that they did not convert. Uh, but that's a play where now the Lions this week can talk about, and even heading to the playoffs, uh, you know what? We've been in those big situations. We know what we have to do uh, because if you get a situation like that in the playoffs, and sometimes it's the first time, uh, you can have there, there's a lot of pressure on you. But now you've got something in your memory bank to say, you know what? Things happen faster in these playoff like games. Uh, Jared Goff, a guy like that, I got to make the play, right? I got to make the play. So maybe that was by design from Dan Campbell to say, you know what? I want to see what these guys do, anyways. And the former player in me obviously loves that. The, Coach trusts the players to go out there and say, you know what, guys, I believe in you. Let's find a way to make a play. Now, there were other aspects of this game that we've got to talk about. Obviously, that was a playoff-like atmosphere in Dallas. It was loud. It was rowdy. It was Saturday night. It was prime time. You're in a building where we all knew how good Dallas was at home, averaging just shy of 40, I mean, just shy, 39.9 points a game at home, undefeated, 15 straight wins, right? Everything seemed to be going against the Lions. Now, it was a dogfight. It was an absolute dogfight. Early in that game, kind of seemed like both defenses, you know, were, were playing at a, a much higher level, executing at a higher level. Both offenses kind of struggling a little bit. Lions with the run game. Now, look, the final stats were pretty good. I think they averaged about four yards a carry over 120 yards, but way too many instances in that game where, you know, free runners in the backfield. I think six tackles for loss uh, in the run game. Obviously, when some of those come on first down or second down, you know, those are drive killers. You can't expect to convert a whole lot of 
you know, second and 13s and third and 14s. And uh, so that to me was a bit of an issue. I, I don't know if it was so much on the offensive line as it was just probably everybody in general. I mean, there's times where the tight ends are coming across and, you know, whiffing on defensive ends. There's times where, you know, receivers aren't climbing to the safeties and now you get one of those guys coming in the box and creating some havoc. There's times where, you know, the running back can miss the, he can miss the cut. He can miss the lane, um, you know, to make the offensive line's job a little bit easier. I've, I saw a little bit of everything. So when you look at the run game and the TFLs, it's not always just on one position group. Uh, everybody has a part in that. Um, now what I will say, the, the passing game, Look, the two-minute drive was a thing of beauty. Uh, you had a chance late in that game to go tie it up or even go for the win. Uh, when you had to have it, you executed, right? Sam Laporta was huge on that last drive. Uh, Jared Goff was huge on that last drive. Amon Ra, we know, had another great game uh, as well. But Jared Goff, we just, you know, the turnovers are obviously an issue. Uh, we thought we had a couple weeks there where, you know, decisions were getting better. Um, you know, it didn't seem like the first pass – there was a screen pass out to Montgomery. Uh, there was a little bit of pressure on the inside. Looks like he was just trying to get rid of the ball. Uh, I think Jared Goff would even tell you, hey, I got to just eat that one or just chuck it at the ground and, uh, you know, live to see another down. The second one, I think he just telegraphed a little bit. You know, Laporta just ran a quick kind of five-yard out route. The defensive back did a really nice job of jumping the route and, you know, turned that into another interception, which probably points off the board. Um, going into this game, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't nervous. I know that this is still a, a young Lions team. It's a team with a lot of guys that don't have a ton of experience yet in playing in really big-time games. Uh, last week in Minnesota, you're coming off a division-clinching win. Emotions are at an all-time high. It's a short week. You have Christmas. You have family. Right There's a lot of outside distractions where, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this, this could be a potential maybe wake-up call for the Detroit Lions. Um, I kind of looked at it also as a – kind of a test run for what we can expect in the playoffs. How is this team going to respond in big moments and, and playoff-like games? I want to see. And there's no moral victories, certainly not. But I came out of that game feeling a lot more confident and comfortable with this team's ability to win a playoff game, to maybe go on a run in the playoffs. Uh, when they play their style of football, meaning running the ball effectively, meaning protecting the passer, meaning taking care of the fall, football offensively, they can beat anybody. They can beat anybody in the NFC. This offensive line is a championship-level offensive line. This run game uh, is a championship-level run game. Uh, this defense with, you know, even looking at how many yards they're allowing to receivers. I've always been the type of guy, you know what, I don't care how many yards we let up as long as we keep them out of the end zone, right? We obviously know C.D. Lamb had a gigantic game. Um, but you, you let up 20 points in a stadium to where they were scoring double that against everybody, against every team they faced. Um, so the, I think the defense has done a nice job of kind of adding to, to their identity where they're not going to be afraid to pressure. They're not going to be able, afraid to ask some of their guys in the secondary to, to cover one-on-one and bring some pressure and keep you out of the end zone. And, you know, when you get to the red zone, we're going to lock up and we're going to play a little bit more coverage base and force you to kick some field goals. Uh, I think that's how you win games, especially this time of year. So there were a lot of good things that came out of that game as well. Now the question for me is, you know, how's Dan Campbell going to handle this week? I know he gave the players Sunday off. He gave the players Monday off. They're back to work Tuesday. Uh, you get an extra day because the game did get bumped back to Sunday at 1 o'clock, uh, which is good. But the question is, 
what does Dan Campbell do this week to galvanize the team again, right? That we talk about all the time on this program, the admiration we have for Dan Campbell just to be able to lock in, to get his players to focus on one common goal, to get them to galvanize around one, you know, common issue, right? Obviously, everybody knows a hey, didn't go our way in Dallas. Bad call. Referees didn't do their job. Whatever. We still lost the game, right? There's no moral victories there. But how do you find a way to get back on the you know the the positive track? I think Dan Campbell has proven that over the past I don't know. Let's call it 30 games that when things go bad, they find a way to respond. They haven't lost back to back games what since week seven I think of of last season. So uh, that lets me know that you know this is a, a maturing team. This is a maturing coaching staff that these guys you know they they find a way to get it right. I, I came out of that Dallas game to be honest with you, and I think I texted Johnny said the same thing. I said, man, they're going to kill the Vikings this week. <laughs> they're going to they're going to they're they're not going to have any mercy on the Vikings. Like they're, this is going to be a pissed off group. This is going to be an ornery group. Like they're going to be just pissed off going into this game now Dan talked earlier this week we'll see if anything changes later in the week about playing starters resting guys because it does look like they're going to end up with the three seed now weird things have happened if if you win and Dallas loses to Washington and Philly loses I think they've got the Giants this week uh then sure you're you could work your way up to the two seed um Probably unlikely, but like I said, weirder things have happened. He talked about, you know, playing the starters, whatnot, what's your mindset when it comes down to that. I, I think you have to play your starters. I think you have to go out there and win this game. I think that when you can head into the playoffs with some positive momentum, uh, with guys playing at a high level, that's giving you a better shot of, of feeling prepared heading into the playoff game. And look, they're a young team. Like I said earlier, they don't have a ton of guys with a, a a lot of playoff experience, with a lot of big game experience. So anytime you take a week off, it's kind of you get back the next week and you're like, okay, let's get back into the swing of things. Well, you want to stay in the swing of things, I think is what I'm trying to say heading into the playoffs. So if I'm Dan Campbell, if I'm Jared Goff, if I'm the you know the the veteran guys on that team, I'm, I'm sending the same message to my coach too. No, we want to play. This game is big. We want to continue to you know establish our dominance here in the division. Uh, we don't care what happens with Philly or Dallas. This is about us. This is about us. How do we find a way to function at a high level heading into – which should be an awesome time <laughs> next weekend at Ford Field for a playoff game. Uh, I can't wait to see that. Um, I wanted to keep it quick today, just kind of address some things that happened Saturday. I know we've had a few days with the holiday, but that's really kind of my take uh, on the Dallas game. I thought there were a lot of positives. I thought that at the bottom line, though, for Dan Campbell and a lot of players, you come out of that game in a playoff-like game and you can say, you know what? A lot of times it comes down to one play. A lot of times after games like that, it taking the whole referee situation out of it, the two-point conversion, there's a lot of times where you look back and say, man, if I could have made that one play, right, it would have been different. Man, if I could have taken advantage of like, – right, Derek Barnes. Now, Derek Barnes, I will say, did a really nice job of re responding the rest of that game. He was all over the field. He was making tackles. He was doing a nice job. It was a nice recovery for him. But if you're a guy like Derek Barnes, you say – man, I had a free shot at the quarterback, right? I got to make it next time. I got to make that play. Um, that could be a massive play in the game. Now, the one thing that you're going to learn is you might only get that opportunity one time. You might not get that opportunity again for 
another 10 games to have a free rush at a quarterback to bring him down. So the lesson is when you do have those opportunities, you have to make them, especially in the, in, in late season playoff games, you have to make them. After a loss, you look back and say, man, wish I would have had that one, right? Wish I would have got that one. The game could have been different. So I think that's the lesson coming out of this week, uh, out of that Dallas game. Uh, referee aside, I think Dan Campbell's done talking about it. And quite frankly, I think we should be pretty much done talking about it. We should be talking about the opportunity that this team is going to have heading into the playoffs with a chance to play their style of football and with a chance to beat anybody. Um, so that's what I'm taking out of it. I hope that's what you guys take out of it. I hope they, I can't wait to see how this team responds again this week against Minnesota. Uh, I think it's going to be a bloodbath personally. If I had to guess, it's Tuesday, not at the time of recording. I don't think my mind's going to change much over the course of the week. If I had to guess right now, I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath and the Lions are going to try to completely pummel Minnesota, which wouldn't be surprising. I hope that's the case and I hope they get uh, a whole lot of momentum back on their side heading into the playoffs. So, I know John will be back later this week. I don't know if we'll break anything down heading into the Minnesota game, or maybe uh, we will wait until next week after the game and give you guys uh, what should be a heck of a playoff preview heading into heading into the playoffs. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys either later this week or again next week on Necessary Roughness. <laughs>